Hey, everybody. Welcome back to That Recruiter Show with Rodney and David. Great to have you back. And, uh, you know, hopefully we're going to have a fun little conversation. I think, um, you know, David, the, the topic today is it's on, it's on everybody's mind. It's been on everybody's mind for a couple of months. I, I think you're right. I, um, it's interesting, right? Well, at least it's been on us nerdy people's minds. <laughs> um, like, I don't know that I'm going to say it everybody's mind. That feels a little vast, True. but, um, but nonetheless, in our world, it certainly has, and in, in, in other worlds too. Um, but it's the topic of, of AI, mm-hmm. right? But specifically today, what we want to talk about, because this is pretty well hot off the press this week, is the executive order from the Biden administration around uh, artificial intelligence and where they want to go with it as it relates to regulating, protecting, you know, the general public, job seekers, et cetera, as, um, you know, AI becomes a much more prevalent and used thing as we as we go forward in, in, in our lives. Yeah. And, it, you know, it was an, it's an interesting thing because we kind of had a, an offline discussion about how this is very similar to the Telecommunications Act when that came out at the dawn of the Internet. Um, mm-hmm. No one really understood where that technology was going to go 10 years from then, but they had to put something in place. Right. And I think this feels similar in the sense that, you know, this is the federal government saying, you know, here are some some things that we need to, to do for security protection. And, you know, there's some sections in there that are particularly, you know, instructive or, or, or should be on HR professionals radars around supporting workers and, and equity and civil rights. Yep. No, you're, you're right. And, and, and even before we get into that, I think it also, you know, I want to, I want to keep it a little bit higher level for just one second. And then sure. I definitely want to talk about that. And so specifically though, if you, if you read through this and most people, I don't know, are going to read the executive order. Um, so what you'll find in the executive order, at least the way I read it. And in my opinion is it's, it's vast in scope. It covers a lot of things uh, as it relates to AI. However, there's nothing you really see in there about enforceability of anything, you know, and I, as I understand it, there's a similar act that's being, um, I, I think the EU is drafting or has drafted that has a little more teeth to it. Um, here in the U S that's not so much the case yet. Uh, and it, quite frankly, this, this executive order is more pointing inwardly at the government at the moment, meaning here's how the government wants to look at things. However, you know, it's, it's not, you know, too, too, uh, Difficult to see that the future of that means that obviously it's going to leak into the private sector. But what I what I find interesting is that you you, you know again it's it's pretty general, but it's it's a very risk based approach, you know down to its core. But there isn't any mention of notice, consent, opt in, opt out, uh, you know transparency, anything like that specific to you know um, you know to the executive order, which I think are all things that the private sector certainly is going to want to understand because, you know, and, and you, if you look even how the big players, Amazon, Meta, um, Google have, have looked at the Salesforce, have looked at this and their responses have been, you know, very moderate, like very mm-hmm. tepid. Right. It, you know, and I think it's because the devil's in the details and we don't have the details yet. So it's kind of this idea like, well, yeah, of course we want security. Of course we want equity. Of course we don't want, you know, Skynet and the Terminator to come mm-hmm. out of this. It's, you know, and so it's like it's easy to agree to these, I don't know, I'm lack of a better way to put it, these platitudes. And I think that it it that it 
still remains what will come of this and how the private sector at the end of the day will react. Oh, and by the way, if you think about the enforceability side of it, you know, the government struggles with that in a lot of ways. Now it's under-resourced. Mm-hmm. They don't have AI, they don't have a, a bunch of AI experts in the government who know how to enforce this. And so what you've got is this executive order that again has this sort of risk-based approach with some some elements of platitudes that um where they know they being i think the private sector that they don't even fully understand this and so it's that shot across the bow that the private sector is going to need to think about and i think i think one of the first things to your point is back on the hr side of things which is well okay if you stop and go what does this mean for hiring and what does this mean once somebody's on board um that's where i think you know this this order if you're an hr professional and a recruiter, you really do need to start paying attention to this because I am 100% certain there will be regulations on hiring around AI coming out of this at some point. Yep. Yeah. And, you know, I think to your point, like the entire response from the private sector was a giant, okay. Exactly. (laughs) Because there's there's nothing to argue against here. and, And I think it's nice to have you know, things like privacy and security and, and fraud and things like that on on the radar in terms of, of what needs to be addressed. And I think a lot of this is asking Congress to act, um, which, you know, this isn't a political show, but, you know, I think it'll be interesting because the way that works is on, honestly, you know, now you're going to have a bunch of lobbyists who take a look at this and then start to to give advice to lawmakers because it's not like Congress is full of AI experts. Right. <laughs> to say the least. <laughs> so they're not equipped to kind of go like, go, OK, yeah, I'm, I'm reading this executive order. I know exactly what to do here to protect the American people. This is going to be a, you know, a bunch of lobbyists together and, and with with private industry to say, here's what I think is best. Absolutely. And you can bet your bottom dollar, speaking of dollars, that <laughs> that the that where the money is going to go is where a lot of this will go. Mm-hmm. And obviously the money obvious go hand in hand, right? And so um, that's how, sadly, I think too many things, too many decisions in this day and age get, get made. And so how will that work for the greater good? Because I'll tell you what, if you look at big tech, and again, not to get overly political, but look at what Elon Musk has uncovered at Twitter as it relates to some of the censorship stuff, right? And and again, I'm not trying to buy or sell on, on you know, the, the, the Republican or the Democrat side, but I am, but I am saying that you can't always, I think, rely on big tech to do the right thing. Um, and I can use another example. It, it, you think about Meta, right? And and how addictive, you know, Facebook, Instagram, all these, all these things can be, particularly to we're designed younger to be. people. We're designed and to we're be. designed to be. And yet, and they tried to skirt that for a long, long time, and then arguably haven't even put the right safeguards in place today. Mm-hmm. So when you think about that, I go, okay, can we even trust the private sector to do the right things? Um, I, I, I'm going to reserve judgment on that. Cause I don't mm-hmm. know that you really can, you know, particularly where it, you know, it conflicts with where money is to be made. Yeah. I mean, you're, you're talking about a, a future, probably trillion dollar industry over the, over the lifetime of it. And mm-hmm. You're going to run into, well, we, we have to be able to do that because China's doing it, you know, so-and-so's doing it. We can't ban yep. that here. 
and lose a competitive advantage that those kind of conversations are going to start to happen. Um, yeah. And, you know, the morality or ethics of it, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm not an ethics expert or philosopher. Right. So um, I don't know. Right. So how do you how do you start addressing those things? And I think the money is going to win, unfortunately, in those yeah. in those who's going to out lobby meta Facebook, Google. Mm. You know, it'll be interesting. No one. Amazon, no one. Yeah. No one. Yeah. So if if you're into these things, this is going to be an interesting kind of administrative argument to watch unfold. It, it really will be. And I think, again, I go back to the devils in the details on this. And the government historically, I think, is pretty clunky mm-hmm. as it relates to, uh, you know, to anything new like this. And this is this is new and, you know, cutting edge or bleeding edge. And it's just, I think... Um, I just don't know that the government does a great job at this. I think they're trying. And I think, honestly, with this executive order, again, the 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 ideas are kind of in the right place, right? Mm-hmm. But but how it gets all carried out and and what really happens at the end of the day, what the private sector is willing to do or not do, all of that remains to be seen. And again, it'll go back to, you know, obviously if it's if it's just outright illegal then yeah, then it hopefully won't happen. Or if it does happen, then, you know, the, the appropriate punishments and, and whatnot also happen, but there's a lot of gray area in a lot of things. Yep. And I think that's where these, these, these companies are also experts at dealing in those gray areas and to make sure that they, they uh, keep their bottom line pumped up. Yeah. You know, I think to make that real, right. There's, there's a private, a privacy section here and mm-hmm. that's huge. And, you know, in this country, it's huge, at least because we're not the strongest kind of privacy culture out there. And, you know, I think we're just wrapping our heads around privacy and social media. And I don't think we've necessarily kind of gotten to a final solution there. And so here here comes this brand new technology. How do you protect someone's privacy in AI, right? I just saw a uh, an article where Scarlett Johansson is suing a company that used AI to duplicate her voice for an ad. Mm-hmm. You know yeah, what I mean? There's, there's, yeah, I've seen there's a couple of those out there right now actually running. Mm-hmm. And and uh, it's interesting to say the least about that. And I think that that to me seems pretty clear cut because you're essentially representing that you're somebody else. Um, and, and, I, and I've got to believe that 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 lawsuit would will be won. But um, but again, there's there's it's kind of still new territory. Yeah, but right. But, so but it's even a common sense. Let's say, you know, you're online. We we've got our podcast, we've got, you know, LinkedIn pages. We've I don't I don't really pay much attention to I used to have I used to be on Facebook. I'm just I kind of go look at people's pictures now. But um is that fair game if you're training a model? And do we have a right to privacy if if we put something online? Is that like walking out in the middle of the street, someone can record you? Um I think those are things that we're gonna have to have to resolve because otherwise as soon as something goes out into the world someone can create a model a learning model that says i'm going to scoop all that up and figure it out and what if that's my content what if someone's using our content to build the mind of a recruiter right so there's how many ever recruiting podcasts and leader you know what i mean so yeah we're gonna have to resolve those things right uh, for sure. And it, believe me that that will not be easy and will not happen quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, so you, but you are, you are spot on. And and by the way, I, I, I hope that someone wants to use us to program the mind of a recruiter. 
as long as they pay us for it. But yeah. um, but, but I but I appreciate that that shout out. Um, and uh, but, but yeah, you're you're absolutely right. It there's a lot that needs to be resolved in a lot of different areas. Uh, and uh, certainly, I am no AI expert, so I, I I don't you know have the foggiest idea how all that'll happen. But I just know enough about the government and lobbying and money and the big companies mm-hmm. and how all that goes that I have a lot of skepticism about where all of it's going to ultimately land. Yeah. Yeah. And and I think, you know, there's some of this, again, we mentioned kind of the HR relevant pieces of it around equity and civil rights and things like that. And I think that's even simple, right? It's like, how, how are you going to address algorithm discrimination? Like, yeah. How are you going to look for that? And how are you going to, how do you know it when you see it? Because as soon as, as soon as it becomes widespread, the nature of humanity is to say, I was discriminated against. It's the algorithm. I'm perfect. Right. You know, we're all the hero in our own stories. We've, we've kind of got the, uh, the angel concept of, you know, we're great. And it's really easy to just kind of say, and, and it, it guards your ego to say, I was discriminated against. I'm, I'm a, I'm a female. I'm this, I'm that, or whatever. I'm a minority. Your algorithm discriminated against me. I should have that job. Oh, for sure. And I think that that's going to be a very interesting thing to solve. I mean, at the end of it, right. In some ways it's already solved in that, like, if you just were to take it and look at it, it's a hiring practice, right? So Mm -hmm. at the end of it, at the end of any, you know, process, you're, you know, you're going to get a hire out of it, right? Mm-hmm. However you got there, you know, and then today, obviously AI is not being used in a material way. And so it's, it's whatever your process is to get to that. You know, if you start implementing AI into your process or AI takes over part of your process, which I think is very possible, you know, if, if it's, if at the end of it all, you still have, you know, if you've got 35, you know, 35 year old white males at the end of, you know, spitting out, that's going to come out, you know, in your EEO data. So mm-hmm. there is some, you know, but what you won't know in that case is, is it the algorithm or is there some other part of the process that's resulting in that? Mm-hmm. And then you layer on like, well, what is the labor market? And is, does that even make sense or not? And there's a, there's a, there's a whole lot to it. And so I, but what I can imagine is the government trying to get into your algorithm and determining if it's biased, mm-hmm. you know, and then it becomes how burdensome is that on a company to, to allow that to happen. And on the flip side, the government today, and probably not for a while, doesn't have the experts that can do that. Um, at least not in the, in the amount that they would, that they would need. Mm-hmm. And, and if, by the way, if the, if the mar- the private sector has trouble hiring AI people and, and Amazon are going to pay them 900 grand, or Netflix, nine hundred grand. Which, by the way, that's that's actually real. That's a thing. I didn't make that up. Um, is the government going to have the ability to hire these experts in such a way that you know that, that that they're able to do this when you have so few AI experts truly, and they're getting paid boatloads of money? Um, now, maybe that will change over time, but you know, as more and more people you know figure out how to get into AI, but at the same time, that that takes time, and yep. and so. How does how does that all work over the next? I didn't even say few years. It's going to look like the early internet. It's going to look like the A players, yeah. A players versus C players. Unfortunately, yeah, I think you're 100 percent correct. Um, 
And, and, you know, I think it's interesting, too, because we're talking about, like, discrimination. I think one of the things that that this addresses is um, crime forecasting and predictive policing. And mm-hmm. so there was there was it's somewhere on the west coast of Florida. I don't know if it was Pinellas County, maybe um, there was a sheriff who used algorithmic policing to to basically try and predict who was going to commit crimes. And they used that information to say, okay, here's our list of, of people that we think are going to commit crimes. And they went on a harassment campaign to essentially try and drive them out of, of that county. Is that right? Is that wrong? They, these people had committed no crimes, but what ended up happening is they were getting like daily visits from sheriffs asking to see, you know, is so-and-so home? What are they up to? Where are they at? Who have they been around? So, you know, you end up getting a harassment kind of t- type of behavior based on your data. So, yeah, that's very interesting. And, and you would think common sense would tell you that that's interesting, I think, at the outset, right? At least my opinion, where my head goes with this is, all right, having some predictive analytics, um, you know, and I think AI is going to very much allow for these things and huge data sets and whatnot. That's happening that's a good now. Thing. Then, yeah. But then if you take it to the next step and you're harassing people, you know, what's funny, you know, that you just maybe think of is if you seen them, uh, the Tom Cruise movie, Minority Report. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Talk about that, right? Um, although I think they were just trying to stop murderers or whatever before they ever killed anybody, right? That's the whole mm-hmm. idea. Um, but it's exactly that. And and so it's the, the harassment campaign. Common sense would tell you, well, that's not going to fly. Right. So then right. it becomes, what do you do? But that's but but that's the funny thing about this, right, is you can't rely on what I would call common sense or or any kind of sensibility necessarily. And that's why so many things, I think, have to be legislated and put into law and codified because – People don't necessarily make the best decisions. Yeah, yeah, and it, you know, I think it's it'll be interesting. It will be interesting because we are are scratching the surface of all this stuff. Yeah, and, absolutely, and I, I I think it's all going to be good. Mm-hmm. Well, broadly, right? Like mostly good, but like everything else, there's going to be bad that comes out of it. Just like the internet, the internet's, I you know, taken taking things in a, in a, in a very positive direction overall as it relates to information, but it's also allowed for some really, really, really bad things to happen too. Yeah. I mean, what we're 20, 30 years into it now, we're just, you know, in the last couple of years, we've had some really meaningful discussions around, okay, have we taken this lack of privacy too far or, or, or kind of this ability to socially engineer things too Mm -hmm. far? Have we, have we let that just go to a point where it's out of control? Right. And, and technology is faster than how we react to it. Right. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, you know, what technology enables us to do goes a whole lot faster than how we can react and regulate it. Yep. Yep. So it, it's interesting. There's going to be problems that, that we have no concept of in the next mm-hmm. 10 years that we're going to be like, how did we not think of that as, as yeah. you know, how did we not solve for that? But it's, for sure. it's the same thing of, of <laughs> a telecommunications act trying to govern the internet, right? You're, you're kind of looking at a telephone type and telegraph uh, technology and applying that to the internet, which it didn't, didn't really work. No, that, yeah. I mean, it was an attempt, right? Mm -hmm. Um, And granted the one in 96 during the Clinton administration was the first one since I think the Mm thirties. So I guess it was probably better than that one, but um, yeah, but it just, you know, it's, it is the government attempting to do something, I think, good by and large. But the government 
they again i you know again i don't want to get overly political but i just don't think the government does a very good job at that yeah yeah and that's where you know we'll come back to the the idea of you know it's going to be lobbyists and industry experts that are really going to have to have to step up but i think the 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 concern that i have is they they're going to have to do the ethical thing and not do what's in their business's best interests yeah hmm. do you know what i mean <laughs> do i sound skeptical yeah i am too but 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 i think that's kind of the the juxtaposition and you know i think that's where i i am kind of cool to see the guy from google who stepped back from ai yeah. and said i need to make sure that this about. we need that right now so we very much do all right. Well, I think uh, I think we beat that up. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, do we want to move on? I think uh, do we want to move on to to our second topic, which I think will probably be a little bit shorter, but I think it's still sort of relevant and yeah. quite you know ties a, a, a little bit as it relates to transparency. Yeah, I think it's kind of a lightning rod for for folks in our industry. Mm-hmm. Right, and and what we're talking about specifically is pay transparency. Mm-hmm. So. I think it, it most folks, if not all folks in kind of the greater HR and recruiting community are aware that there are many states now that require pay transparency to be posted on job descriptions. And the, you know, for those that may not be as familiar, the, the intent behind that is is to make sure that you know it, it's it's out there and that people are paid fairly. That's the whole idea, right? So it's you know, which is also it's kind of the same ideas like you can't ask people, well, what do you make today in a lot of in a lot of states because they don't want people to use that as a barometer for what their next mm-hmm. pay should be. And so so you, you remove that and then you add the pay transparency stuff in there. And supposedly, you know, it um, will allow people to know straight away, like, well, here's what I here's what I would make if I were to get this job, or at least a range, mm-hmm. right? If I, if I were to get this job and, you know, I don't know, Rodney, what do you, what do you think? How do you think that has gone over over the last several months? Uh, and are companies really abiding by it? You know, I, so I'm a, a fairness guy. I was, I, I used to, I was a Cub Scout den leader. Um, that's just kind of how I, how I'm built. So the idea of, of being fair to people doesn't turn me off, right? So I think the spirit of, of what's what the intent is 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 good for me, and I think some of that is is you know it, let's take women who take some time off in their careers, they take two or three years off to raise a family, they want to come back into the workforce. Hey, think about right now, right? They uh, a salary three years ago, unadjusted for inflation, looks totally different. They start they start looking for a job. Um, and someone asked them what they made. And so all of a sudden, they're going to pin that negotiation on an unadjusted, unadjusted salary pre-inflation. And now that woman is going to be completely penalized for coming out of the workforce. And she's not going to get paid for the work that she is going to be doing necessarily. She's really going to be exactly. tethered to that, that previous rate. So, so I think solving those kind of problems is, is a fair thing to do. Um, and, and I think if you look at like Connecticut, Connecticut, part of their pay transparency laws, like you can't have a woman that's paid less than the bottom five men in, in a, in a given whatever functional area. So I I think that's good. Now, when I look at the, 
actual implementation of it, I think it's interesting. I think you've seen some companies that are gaming it. And I think that that upsets me a little bit. Right. So so when you look mm-hmm. at the spirit of that and and say, OK, well, you know what? I'm going to post this job as somewhere between a dollar and a million dollars. And I have seen that, by the way, I've literally seen that. Mm-hmm. I, you know, I, I look at that kind of thing. And again, you know, the the Boy Scout, I'm not I wasn't a Boy Scout, but again, I was a den leader. But like I, I look at that and I go, that's just the wrong thing to do. And I think ethically the law is the law and, and it's got a purpose and the purpose is to be fair. And if you're not acting in fairness, I think it says something about your company. And and maybe it's not even the company. Maybe it's it's the recruiter that that did that. I I think that's wrong. Mm-hmm. What do you think? Yeah, I I would 100% agree with you. And I think that in in that case specifically, you know, that zero to a million dollars thing, I would say that you know if you're a you know a a person applying for that job, I would I would hesitate to apply to that mm-hmm. because again. You know, you you were just completely disregarding the law, um, both in you know, like the the letter of the law and the spirit of the law. Yeah. And I think that 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 speaks to the ethics of the company, mm-hmm. and or lack thereof, really, in that case. And so I, I would question that. Um, what's interesting, though, and, and I and I wanted to to say this is it's there's in every job description I think I've ever seen with this, even when they put a range that looks somewhat realistic. They always caveat it that, uh, and I and I'm and I can't do this verbatim because I don't I don't have anything in front of me. But it it basically they're caveating it, saying that this is what we believe it will be. Mm-hmm. However, different you know skills and abilities and tenures and all these different things you know could come into play, which tells me okay, so what you're doing you're hedging, right? So mm-hmm. if it, this if the job goes up to 150 thousand in the in your range. But you found the perfect candidate, and you got to pay him one seventy five. You're going to do it, right? Even though that wasn't that that wasn't in the range. And by the way, I think that's actually fine. Um, yeah, and I, I think you know, that's still in the spirit of what what that exactly. Was. I totally agree with you. I totally agree. And then the other thing I think is that you know it, it's the internal stuff that comes out of this that I actually really like because I go back to I'm with you on the fairness side of things, but if you look at you know the people that are already working at that company in that functional area. Uh, you know, they can see that, all right, the pay rate for this role in my functional area is, you know, X to Y. And if you're not in that and your job is essentially the same thing, you know, you're going to wonder why that is. Mm-hmm. And it, it gives you some leverage that quite frankly, a lot of companies, that's why companies push back on this, right? Companies don't want you to have that leverage, right? Companies don't want you to know where you're sitting in the band oftentimes, and certainly where you are, are, paid compared to your peers because that's yep. that's always a lightning rod and i have i've seen this too many times that companies pay decisions over time are typically not very good mm-hmm. and and you know it's it's the reality and i've seen this more and more as uh the different generations have come up you know as certainly as the millennials and then the gen, gen zers now is that people will jump jobs to make increases in pay because the the, the fact remains the companies don't increase you as fast as you can increase your own pay by making moves mm-hmm. because and and so in a way if you look at that right companies have shot themselves in the foot there because they've decreased the loyalty and then and then and we can we talked about this you go down the layoffs and all those mm-hmm. things and that certainly increases loyalty and brand and all that but you know you've also got now that coupled with a generation that that operates more in a mercenary type of way and by the way I don't disagree with it 
so I'm not trying to believe I'm not trying to disparage those those moves by any stretch of the imagination. In fact, I, I think it's probably smart, you know, it, 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 you know, but it, again, allows um, it allows the internal folks to know where they're sitting, too. And I mean, how many times have you been there? Like, and I used to see this. I saw this at, at a company that shall remain nameless that starts with an A. Um, and it was we can't you know, well, if we pay this person this much coming in the door, that's more than my most experienced person in that role. Who's a top performer. And I'm like, well, yeah, <laughs> you know, I'm like the, but one, that's what the market bears. And two, that means that you haven't been keeping up the market for this person. So shame on you. Yeah. You know, there's almost an algorithm to it, isn't there? It's, it's mm-hmm. individual company X over time will always hold hold compensation down below market rates yep and and it just it compounds and then it explodes yeah and that's what happens and i have i have mentioned that in many of meeting i've had with compensation people um and because i have honestly this this is the way i felt about this for forever it's you have you have to keep people at market you just you just should and i know that that's usually an expensive endeavor for companies but i wonder on the back end, if it ends up, if you end up keeping more people that way, does that actually then save you money? Right. Right. You know, and again, I have not done that analysis, so I can't say that for sure, but I know that what I do know is turnover is incredibly costly, both in dollars, but also in the, the issues it places on the people that are there, Mm -hmm. more work, longer hours, all those things, which has a cost as well. And so if you, if you're able to maintain your, your workforce better, I just believe that 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 is in the at the end of the day going to you know in, you know keep productivity higher and you know decrease turnover, which which yeah. is a good thing. And you know philosophically, like we we have spent our entire careers around decisions that exited people, right? So whether it was voluntary, <laughs> involuntary, whatever, um, there is no small percentage of those exits where I think organizations made decisions based on what they thought of a person's talent and pay and all those things. And it ended up being a bad decision because when they went out to market to replace that person, they couldn't replace them. Mm-hmm. And or it took a long time and they ended up having to pay anyway. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I think that's ex- exactly what you're saying, but I think it's not apparent to people because we we've lived 20 years of our lives seeing that sadly more than 20 running <laughs> true just to be transparent um, i was i was trying to i was trying to give us a couple years i appreciate that though i do i appreciate it <laughs> but you know what i mean i think that's exactly what you're saying but i don't know that that um people who who aren't just honestly steeped in that and and dealing with those ramifications necessarily see yeah it. and I think you're right. And if you're a manager at a function and you don't hire very often, or, you know, it's, it's, you know, you're, you're just, you're not steeped in it, as you said, you know, you don't, you don't maybe look at it that way, mm-hmm. you know, but, but I think that, you know, and, 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 and I don't blame anybody for not looking at it that way, quite frankly, you know, when you're in your own sort of functional role in your own little, you know, Heck no. your own little silo. We make a living at it. <laughs> yeah. Do it. <laughs> but, but I think who it does behoove is, is anybody who's got a, a level of oversight over a bigger piece of the pie. I think mm-hmm. it does behoove those people, whether it's your HR folks 
whether it's you know high-level managers, directors, VPs, et cetera, who have greater purview and see the impact if it's like, well, it's not just somebody leaving your team, Mr. Manager, it's that person and then there's another person over here leaving this other manager and another person over here leaving this other manager. Mm-hmm. And all those things collectively really impact what we're doing. And so I think it's incumbent upon the folks at, you know, at, at a level that have the purview to look at those things and, and try to mitigate them um, in, in, in a very real way. But I also, I don't see a lot of that. I just don't, mm-hmm. you know, I've seen the occasional market adjustment when they're, when companies have been absolutely forced to do so, but that's pretty rare. Yeah. They're, most places aren't proactive about it. And no, and you know, it's funny. I mean, like I said, you, you, you know, a lot of these things I, I I've seen these decisions happen based on a sense of style. You know, someone doesn't, someone's performing, they're getting their job done, but they don't like how they do it or they've rubbed someone the wrong way. Mm-hmm. And that puts them on the glide path to, to get exited. Oh yeah. And, oh, and it's big time, you know, it's, it's a huge disruption that isn't necessary for an organization. And, you know, same thing. Someone kind of comes back and says, Hey, you know, I'm, I looked and I'm, I'm 10 grand under the market here. And the company says, I nothing I can do about it. I'm sorry. And they leave. And yeah. And then you can go hire someone who's going to cost as much or more than what that person was asking. So, right. You know, I think when you have these types of pay t- transparency laws, you can get over that a little bit, at least if you're, if you're kind of really paying attention, because if you're a company, you can kind of look out and say, you know what? Everybody else is like, 20 grand above us hiring for the same job. We need to, we need to do something about that. Yep. Um, no, I, I, I 100% agree. And I think, um, you know, and it's funny cause you know, you, the, the, the worry that I've heard from companies, which I don't think is real is, well, if they see the range, they're always going to ask for the top of the range. No, that doesn't actually happen in practice. No, that doesn't happen in practice. And, and so I, I don't, th- I, I know why that would be a worry if you don't know any better, but in practice, that doesn't actually happen. Right. Which was, so, which I saw it. So there isn't, so you can sort of like, okay, well that, that was your argument against pay transparency, but that's not real. So now you can, you can just discard that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and again, I, I just, I think it's great. I think the pay transparency stuff is great. Um, yep. And I, you know, I, I don't know how much companies love it. And to your point, they still try to game it, but I think overall, I think it's good. Yeah. Uh, agreed. Agreed. So I think, um, you know, from, from what I can see, you know, I think our, our big takeaways for the day is a familiarize yourself with the, with the AI executive order as a professional mm-hmm. that is going to impact you. You know, that as a, an HR professional or just technology professional or leader, you need to understand those things. And, and you know, be from a pay transparency standpoint, get right with the law. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, it, you may not like it, but it, it's the right thing to do. It is. Oh, and by the way, I, you know, for the, the folks that are in the Gen Z and the baby boomers, or I'm sorry, the Gen X and then the baby boomers, like your, your millennials and your Gen Zers are talking about what they make amongst each other. Yeah. So, yeah. so there, there's already all of that information out there. And, and so just by complying with the law, it, you know, it's only going to help you at the end of the day. Yeah. And, and, and you just, you're not going to win that battle. You're just not going to win that battle. And, and I would even argue that for states that don't require it yet, if you're a company operating in that state, I would just go ahead and do it. Mm-hmm. Get ahead of the curve. Believe me, it, it will eventually be everywhere. Yeah. And especially, you know, if you start, if you're looking for skills nationally, 
that's going to impact you. And like, you know, people who are used to seeing that and then they all of a sudden have a company that won't say a word about it. That's mm-hmm. going to make you stand out yeah. in a negative way. Yep. And by the way, job seekers like it. Mm-hmm. That's the other thing. Job seekers like it because it allows them out of the gate to go, hmm, that's not where I want to be. Therefore, I will not even bother applying, Right. which is a good thing because you don't want people to apply that at the end of the day are not going to going to want the, your, your pay range. Whereas if they're applying to a role where they don't know what the pay rate is, you know, you're going to have to hopefully set you, if you like that candidate, you'll have to suss that out. And by the way, not all recruiters and companies are necessarily very good at that at the beginning mm-hmm. and deals blow up on the back end because people don't know. hundred percent. And pay transparency kind of knocks that away immediately. hundred percent, hundred percent. So get right by it mentally and in practice. Absolutely. Love it. Love it. Any, any, uh, any other words of wisdom or nuggets for our, for our listeners? No, I think we've, uh, I think we've burned their ears enough with our, uh, with our banter today. So, <laughs> you know, as always, I, you know, I hope that it was, that was useful. Um, I, you know, it's fun for us. So thank you for listening as always. Uh, but again, you know, we try to give relevant topics and things that, that actually that, that matter that, that will likely impact you, whether, you know, um, in your role immediately or down the road. And so again, hopefully you took a a few nuggets away from this and, and, uh, and enjoyed it. Yeah. Thank you everyone for listening. It's always a pleasure from on David and I side, and and we really appreciate you guys lending us your ears for a couple of minutes and, and we hope you enjoyed it. Um, and you know, as far as until next time, thanks for listening to that recruiter show. 